Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On today's episode, I have a conversation that is eight years in the making. I am talking to Jasmine Forsberg, who is currently wowing audiences in Here Lies Love as Maria Luisa and Amelda's inner voice. If you are a regular listener to Broadway Radio, you've heard me talk about Jasmine, especially having seen her as Jane Seymour in the first national tour of six. But I first saw her on stage back in 2015 when she was still in high school and she was in a local Orlando production of Carrie the Musical. It was not difficult to see how immensely and uniquely talented Jasmine was, even all the way back then. And I said so in my review of the show, which Jasmine actually brings up in our conversation. So that was quite a surprise and quite interesting. In turn, I also tell her about how important she has become to my eight-year-old nephew. But in our conversation, we talk about the incredible whirlwind she had going from the Six Tour directly into the Here Lies Love rehearsal. All of the emotions of making her Broadway debut in this show specifically as a Filipino-American, what it's been like to work with her idol Leia Salonga, her upcoming solo New York cabaret debut at 54 Below, and much, much more. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my long overdue conversation with Jasmine Forsberg. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Matt? I am great. First off, how are you feeling? I know you were a little worn down earlier this week. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm doing a lot better. I was actually out of the show last night, too, just because this is a show. I realized on Wednesday when I thought I was good to go back in that you can't just like slide back in there if you're not feeling 100 because this is a marathon show. So feeling so much better today. Thank goodness. Um, and I'm ready for the weekend. But thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, of course. But as a, as a different sidebar, I just have to let you know, when I saw your name pop up in my inbox, I was so happy because Matt, oh, no. you're one of quotes one of your quotes from a review that you gave me in orlando is still on my website to this day and this this review must have been from 2015 god oh help god. us all for the show carry the musical oh, i remember i remember don't don't <laughs> forget yeah i think you could forget it i don't think you could. <laughs> i just find that funny and it, it brought me a lot of joy when i saw your your name Amazing. pop up on box so yes anyway happy to be here okay well i'm gonna have to go off of that because I wasn't going to necessarily bring all of this up, but I, of course, have followed your career since that erstwhile Carrie review and loved kind of seeing your name pop up first with the Joe Iconis stuff and then with with six. And you have kind of like become a favorite to not only me, but my my niece and nephew. My niece is going just started eighth grade. She's done a ton of camps at Orlando Rep. And I know that you did stuff there Mm -hmm. as well. And Mm -hmm. but especially for my nephew, who just moved back to Orlando from Las Vegas, but he's like this really rambunctious kid, always has a ball on his feet or whatever. But somehow I have like strong armed him into becoming a musical theater person. I love that. Yeah. So lived in Las Vegas until a couple months ago. So I went out and visited them and it just happened to be the time when you guys were in Vegas um, at the casino. And so I got him, my sister and me tickets to see you guys. And we sat in the front row. We were front row center. And at one point, right after Heart of Stone, my my nephew who moves like never stops moving. He didn't move at all during the entire show, except for after Heart of Stone. He leans over to me and just says, 
is this real? And I didn't know exactly what that meant at first until I realized like he thought you actually had a child and you died because he, you were so convincing in that. And like, he's just been obsessed with you ever since. So my nephew, Joey loves you. And I appreciate that. Uh, and, and I, I can't tell you how much that means to me uh, and to him as well. Shout out little nephew, Joey. I hope I get a chance to meet him someday. I'm so happy that you strong armed him into the yeah. musical theater life because it's quite a fun one. I know you know that. So, oh, that's so exciting though to hear about Orlando Repertory Theater. I mean, that was my second home growing up. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, being an Orlando person and all. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's so amazing that your, that your niece is doing camps there and everything like that. I know they just changed their name recently to yeah. Family Stage, I think it was. So that's really exciting because that gives them that, a very clear idea of what the audience can expect when they walk in there. Absolutely. For sure. Well, that's, we can, I'm sure we can come back to Orlando, but let's get into the Here Lies Love It at all. Obviously, you, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on the timeline here, but you left the Six Tour and almost immediately jumped into rehearsals. And you've now been open for a couple weeks, three weeks. Are you able to now catch your breath and kind of let it sink in that not only are you making your Broadway debut, but you're doing it in this show with this cast and people are loving it? I was there last week. I saw it last week. Incredible. I was on the floor. Just a, an unbelievable experience. Like, is it all kind of like real to you now or does it still kind of seem like an out-of-body experience? It, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling when you can actually in real time feel your dreams coming true. And I do have to take a step back, kind of have an out-of-body experience and, and give myself a moment to reflect and see myself actively living my dreams in this moment. This is what I've always wanted to do yes, beyond Broadway, but also tell a story that is so meaningful to me. And there is nothing, there is no greater experience, in my opinion, than, or no greater shared experience than telling a story about your own culture. That is so beautiful. And I don't take it for granted at all. And uh, yes, I did. I did jump right after my year with six. I immediately, two days later, one day of travel. And then the next day I started rehearsals oh for this project. It was kind of crazy to go from one project to another just because I was so deeply still in love with my company on tour with six. That was such a magical experience. And I didn't know what it was going to be like joining a brand new company. You just, you just never know what the vibe is going to be. And I think it says something about the Filipino nature of, of being warm and open and welcoming to people that within the first day, two days of rehearsal, it already felt like an extended family in that room. So very grateful for that. And it's something that I cherish every day that I walk into the theater. This show is so unique, not only for the, the Filipino nature of it, the fact that the entire cast, it's the first time there's ever been an all Filipino cast on Broadway, which I want to talk about, but like just the construction of this show, I know you, we talked about beforehand, you, you've been out for a couple of days, but like this is no joke, like not only vocally, especially some of the stuff that you do, but all of the running around, like I stood on the floor last week and I was kind of tired just moving around. And then that, that doesn't take into the fact that y'all are running around dancing and jumping up on those platform. Like it's a bear of a show just to do on a nightly basis, let alone go from one show into another. One thousand percent. I mean, this show six, I think, set me up well for this show yeah, because yeah, yeah. six is also 90 minute, like shot out of a cannon marathon type show. This one, what I will say about this one is that there's so much going on on stage. But when you're not on stage and, and, and the audience <laughs> is seeing you run around, you're also 
equally running around backstage and you're changing costumes. Every single scene, we're in a different costume. So shout out to our crew and our dressers backstage because we have, I think at this point, we have mastered a lovely uh, pathway so there are no collisions backstage, nothing like that. But like the offstage track is just as engaging and energy taking as what you're seeing on stage. So, I mean, you were just there, but there are these telescoping platforms that that move around and, and spin. And uh, we're, yes, just like you said, jumping off those, jumping on them. We're running to the balcony stages and these, these satellite stages, as we call them. And so it is nonstop for sure. And what I think is really interesting about this show is it is a, a fairly heavy show at times with the plot and the real life things that happened in and around the Marcos family. But it is so high energy and it is so exciting that, as you said, it's telling this story that I would imagine the majority of the non-Filipino audience members don't know super well. As you kind of go about this, how do you kind of walk that line as a company of talking about the fact that, yes, this story is very important. It's powerful and, it, and it's harrowing at times. But you're also doing a musical that has some really incredible music and dancing. Were there conversations about how to walk that line in the rehearsal process? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I really appreciate about how our rehearsal process started is that we had we had almost day long, two of them, day long sessions just of the dramaturgy alone. So we all had a communal understanding of exactly what happened in this time period. And David Byrne did his due diligence when crafting the show and creating the show because he took only what he only took information from primary sources to create this show. There's a lot of misinformation and disinformation in this period of time in the Philippines because the Marcos sure. government, they controlled the narrative, they controlled the media. And so a lot of what you see online is exactly what they wanted to be put out there. And so David Byrne went about talking to firsthand primary sources to, to get all the information, which is why some of the lyrics don't necessarily hit your ear as easy as, as a traditional pop song mm -hmm. slash musical theater song might, because he's literally taking verbatim what was said. I mean, uh, one of the songs that Ninoy Aquino performs, the fabulous one, is this Senate speech that he delivered to the Senate called A Pantheon for Imelda. And like the, that's like verbatim what what the speech said. And so as somebody, I am a, a mixed race Filipino American, and I didn't even know the history of exactly what happened to the extent of, of how deeply it, it resonates with my soul now. And so it's really important. I think that this is a story that I think everybody should be hearing because one of those final lines in our production is, democracies are only as strong as the people. And what happened in the Philippines 40 years ago now, you're seeing mirrors of that across the globe, even here in our country. And so it's very important for audiences, tourists, but also just American audiences, period, to, to hear that message, see it, see it through the lens of a different narrative, but then also be able to apply that to what might even be going on in our country today. Yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned uh, Ninoy Aquino, played by the great Conrad Ricamora. This cast is <laughs> tremendous. I want to get to the Lea Salonga uh, of it all in a minute. But Conrad, Ariel, Jose, the show is led by a group that is incredibly talented and so great in all these roles. Obviously, 
Jose and Conrad have been with the show for quite a long time. And I know there's other members of the company that have been with it, you know, since it, it debuted at the public a decade ago. What has it been working with them in your Broadway debut, seeing these people who are not only seasoned in this show, but seasoned Broadway performers and kind of learning from them as this first time being shot out of a canon that is a Broadway musical? It is amazing. I, with Jose specifically, he is that quintessential leading man where every night after the show or every other night or so, he'll invite the entire company into his dressing room at, at we call it Two Roses Cafe for post-show drinks or post-show beverages if you're not even looking for an alcoholic moment. Like the, the energy in this company is so warm and inviting and generous and that that's happening off stage just as much as it's happening on stage. And I've had this lovely experience of being able to not only look up to these people and see them as role models, but also see them as friends and co-workers and, and castmates. And it's beautiful. Um, throughout the rehearsal process, I'll just keep talking about Jose a little bit. We would sometimes eat lunch together in our little green room that we had. And I just pick his brain about not only career stuff, but also life stuff and love stuff. And it's so beautiful to be one of the younger people in a cast because you have so much to absorb and you can just be a sponge and I'm not even the youngest in my in my company. And so I can only imagine for all the people, I mean, working with legend Leia Salonga, there's so much you can learn at any given time. And I know we'll we'll dive into that in its whole a whole oh, different yeah. way, but but it is, it is so special. And Arielle has just opened her heart to all of us. And she also is just so generous with her spirit. These are just amazing role models through and through. And I'm so lucky to be learning from them and just to be friends with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I find every opportunity to talk about Leia Salonga that I ever possibly can, no matter what the context. So <laughs> um, yeah, well, for you, as we talked about, like, this is what you've always wanted to do. You are a musical theater kid. You grew up just outside of of Disney. So obviously there's those connections as well. And then, you know, being a Filipino American, like to me, just seeing Leia on a stage is magical. I can't even imagine what all of the lifelong connections must be popping for you now that you actually get to call her a coworker and a colleague. Yeah, not even just a coworker, a friend, truly. Um, she, I remember growing up, something about the Filipino community is we we love our karaoke machines. There's this thing called a magic sing where where there is a microphone and it has a little chip that you can plug into your your uh TV in some capacity. I don't know, wire it up. I'm I'm not sure what technology has changed because I used this back in like 2003, 2004. But but I grew up in at every Filipino party, whether it was a graduation, a holiday party, a Manny Pequino fight, um, you had this microphone and you would punch in the different numbers that corresponded with a song that you could sing. Any party, you would be singing karaoke. And at every party, because even as a little four, five, six year old, I was still wanting to be the center of attention and I wanted <laughs> to sing My Heart Will Go On on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> on the karaoke machine and every time all of my family and friends they'd be like oh she jasmine she's like a young leia salonga and it's funny because like i got that so often but that's because leia traversed just the filipino community she was mm -hmm. like she she's known for being a disney princess like you said she's known for for so many things and it's she's like the blueprint and so i remember when I auditioned for the show, I didn't know she was going to be a part of it. And when it came down to 
taking the show versus versus potentially going with a different project. I remember Alex Timbers called me up on the phone and he said, and, and this is like, this hasn't been announced yet, but I just want you to know that like Leia Salonga has signed on to be a producer and she's actually going to be joining you in the company of the show. And that single-handedly, I don't want to say that's what made me take the job, but just like the idea of working with like your lifelong inspiration, role model, somebody who you've always heard the names of and you've always looked up to. And then to just like be in the room with her and have her be a normal human too. Um, somebody <laughs> of that caliber, of that of that level of just not only talent, but credits, you know, she's done so much. And for her to just look at you and be like, hey, hey, Jasmine, what's up? And just talk to you like a normal person. It's just so beautiful. And it gives you so much to hope to strive for and dream for in your own career. And it's it's amazing. And, and there's this idea of like, never meet your heroes. Don't work with you, let alone work with your heroes. Right. And um, I'm so grateful that I've been given this opportunity to get to know her and to work with her and to call her a friend because she's she's so special and she treats everybody like we're special and just like we're friends too, which feels amazing. If little Jasmine could see herself now, she'd be very, very excited, very yeah. proud. She keeps singing my heart will go on on the karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to get to like, you're singing and and not karaoke, but a concert. I'm gonna we're gonna get to the 54 below thing here in a bit. But you talked about looking at Leia and looking at like what you can strive for in your career. And I, again, I wasn't gonna bring this up, but since we kind of talked about some uh, some more personal things, when I was in town, I was just talking with some friends of mine. One of whom is a producer of Here Lies Love. One of them is a former co-star of yours. And anytime I mention the show, they talk about how incredible you are. And and how excited they are for you. As you look at this, you have some really incredible moments in the show. And obviously, having seen you, I will admit it, I, I saw you in six, four times in different cities. Um, <laughs> twice in Orlando, because I've got press tickets and I have my own season subscription. I happened to be in Fort Myers when you guys were there. Um, I think it was Fort mm -hmm. Myers. And then obviously in Vegas, like I mentioned earlier. So, like, I know you're incredible. But, like, to see that on a broad, well, I got, I'm putting air quotes around a Broadway stage because you know, you're all over the place at the Broadway theater. <laughs> but like, do you feel like this is something that is a, a, a life changing a career changing moment for you? You've been a principal in a, in a national tour, a very well received one, but like, does this feel different for you? I mean, what feels different is that we are making history with this show. This is the first ever all Filipino cast that Broadway's ever seen. And so that in itself can never be taken away from us. We did it. We we did it. We're doing it, which is so exciting. And on a personal level, like, I don't think there's been a more fulfilling experience in terms of that. There, I remember... One of my mentors from Penn State, John Simpkins, we, we, we had this biz of the biz class senior year. And he had said, sometimes there are opportunities, artistic opportunities in life where there's like, there's like a triangle of three. I hope I don't get this wrong. But like, sometimes you have that artistic fulfillment. Sometimes you have to do something that just pays the bills. But it's like a beautiful intersection when it can be both. And I feel like both with six, but also with Here Lies Love, and then you add that cultural element into it too. Like not only is it artistically fulfilling, but it's just like human fulfilling, humanity fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also pays the bills, which is beautiful, which is so beautiful. Um, and it's, it's so beautiful to have that 
perfect intersection of something that is is just so deeply fulfilling on so many different levels for my life. And I'm I'm just in that sense, it feels career changing because I've it sets a precedent for me that the work is out there, that it doesn't just have to be, all right, well, I just need a job. You know, maybe it gets to that point one day where where I do need the work. But there can always be that beautiful intersection of it. It it means so much more to me than just it being a job. And that's what this show is. I'm so lucky that that's also what six was with me. And so it, yeah, I'm I'm just grateful that it has, this has set a precedent for my career that it can fulfill me in so many different ways. And I hope to experience that continuously going forward. It might not always be the case, which is why I cherish these moments when I have them. Yeah, that's, I think, despite the fact that I'm an Ohio State alum and anything Penn State related uh, rubs me a little bit the wrong way, but (laughs) I will say that sounds like a, a great lesson that you learned there and are carrying forward in your career. But Perhaps something else that maybe not necessarily as career defining and changing, but as I mentioned, you have your first ever New York 54 Below cabaret coming up in November. Music that made me, I know that you write your own music. You have Mm. posted a a lot of those things on social media over the years. What is this concert going to be? What can people expect from this show coming up? I mean, it's not that far away, just like three months away now. Uh, I hope you have things started to get planned at this point because you don't want to run out of time. (laughs) No, not at all. I'm so excited. Uh, One of my dear friends and colleagues and mentors, Jennifer Tepper, she's one of the programmers at 54 Below, and she Mm -hmm. worked on a lot. She's part of Joe Iconis and family. She works. She's worked and produced on a lot of his shows. So that's how I connected with her. But she reached out to me and asked me to do a concert back in 2019. And then I was still a student at that time. Then the pandemic happened. And finally, it felt like the perfect opportunity to do it because I I'm here. I've arrived in New York City. I'm I'm actively doing something that I love every single night. And I want to be able to share that love with the community that I'm cultivating here. So music made me is kind of an artistic exploration of the songs and the moments in my career that have shaped my journey to where I am today. And and a lot of that music is, it could be songs that might have booked me shows. It could be songs that, that you know, Heart of Stone, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, it might be a part <laughs> of the concert. But then also an exploration of my own music, which I haven't had an opportunity, uh, very many opportunities to perform my own music live. Uh, and so I'm really, really looking forward to that because songwriting is such an incredible part of who I've been as an artist since I was a young teenager. And I'm really, really looking forward to being able to share my perspective and my stories, not just not just the stories that I get to tell, but my own story too. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. November 19th, everyone. November, November 19th. Well, I'll be looking out to see if there's any live streaming capabilities for that one, because I'm sure my nephew would uh, would love to watch that as well. So just in case you want to put sure. a, a little bug in, uh, in Jen's ear on that one. Um, <laughs> Now that you've been back in the city, you're you're actually I don't even know if I want to say back where you I guess maybe when you were doing Broadway Bounty Hunter, you were probably living in New York. But this is this like the first full time move to New York post Penn State? Well, post Penn State, I moved here. I had an apartment here, lived by Madison Square Garden. It was quite a busy, Amazing. busy area to be in. I left. I let go of my apartment when I left on tour. And so when I 
when I say I'm like, I'm here, I've arrived back here, it's because it actually does feel like the first time. Like, like when I moved here post Penn State, I was so lucky in that I had work that took me out of town, not just the tour, but some stuff in Denver at the, at the Denver Center, some stuff at Goodspeed Opera House. And so even though I was here, I was in a New York resident and I was living here, I wasn't here. I wasn't spending any time here. And so this feels like the first time that I'm actually getting to live the New York City life that I've always envisioned and dreamed for myself. And it, it feels really exciting. I'm still getting the hang of it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't imagine you've had a whole lot of time to do anything since you dove straight into rehearsals and you've had like this monumental, massive Broadway show for the past six, seven weeks, however long it was. <laughs> but what are the things in your everyday life that you are enjoying or perhaps not enjoying about living in, in New York City full time now that you're there? New York City, I mean, everybody knows this, you know, it's referred to as the city that never sleeps, but it's like, it's so fast paced. And I know you being an Orlando person as well, can understand that it's quite a transition. And mm -hmm. I think I'm used to it because moving around the country and seeing all these different cities was such a beautiful experience. And I, I got to see areas of the country that I really resonated with and I liked and I liked the vibe. And New York City is just on its own different level than that. So it's nice because I've chosen to live uptown. So I'm a little bit farther away from the hustle and bustle of, of what this city brings. But yeah, I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still learning to see if like this is a pace that I feel like I can keep up with that's sustainable for an entire career, an entire life or so. But what's beautiful is I don't have to decide that now. I can keep taking it day by day or show by show and and see see what comes down the road from there. But I just love, I mean, Orlando was so beautiful in that there was so much, it was a cultural hub and artistic hub in itself with the parks there and with the Orlando Repertory Theater and one of our playhouse and the Shakespeare Theater. And, and magnify that times like a hundred in New York. Like there's just so much to do here. And I love the other day, my a dear friend and I, we had plans to go to the Met uh, just to gallivant around, look at some paintings and beautiful art. And then we were like, wait a second, but it's such a beautiful day. Why don't we just go walk around in the park? And then we saw this area of Central Park that I've literally never seen before. And I've been in Central Park countless times. So it's just, you're always finding something new here. And that's one of the things that I love about New York City. You think you know it, and then you find a new corner of the city that you've never been to. And you're just like, wow, it, it keeps surprising me. And I think it'll keep surprising me for a very, very long time. So I'm looking forward to finding my spots, finding my coffee shops and yeah, just, just spending more time here now that I, like you said, now that I actually have the time to be in a, a little bit more of an explorer in my own city. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, I will let you go because I know you are getting back into the show tonight, but so I just want to end it on like one last question that is more of a logistical question because being on the floor at Here Lies Love, your attention is always pulled in different directions. There's so much going on. Is there a moment in the show, whether it's something that you're involved with or not, that you think that audience members, especially on the floor because they're turning all the way around, need to focus on but might not be necessarily the exact center of attention? Is there something going on on one of the side stages or one on the main stage when the rest of the action is on one of the platforms in the middle? Is there something that they need to focus on that they might not see otherwise? That is such a good question. I think... Uh... One of the things that just kind of stuck out to me, and it's very important that the audience does clock this, but like you said, there are 50 bajillion other things going on, so it might not be clocked, is that 
In this very, uh, in this number, Order 1081, which is when martial law was declared in mm-hmm. the Philippines, throughout the number, you can watch while the, while the different soloists are singing and recounting what life was like in the Philippines during that period of time. Imelda is walking, and she she is highlighted, she is lit, but she's in different places than where the solos are going on. So you're kind of just your head is constantly on a pedestal and just like moving around. When she puts those sunglasses on, any 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 person could probably interpret this themselves, but I'll just say point blank, it's implying she's intentionally putting her blinders on to everything that's going on around her. She can still see, but she's choosing not to see. And I think that's a really important historical, dramaturgical lens to view the events that followed martial law, started during martial law and continue to follow from there. Um, just something that the audience should keep an eye out for to kind of set the tone of, oh, the government, the leaders of this country were fully aware of what was going on while the rest of the country was, some of the country was suffering. Some of the country had no clue what was going on because once again, the government was controlling the narrative. And those are some, uh, even even um, Alex Timbers directed so beautifully, even when Aquino was shot, when he was assassinated on the tarmac of the airport, right before then, she puts her glasses on once again hmm. to kind of signify she knew what was happening, but she chose not to look. And that's that, you know, that might be an artistic. I'll, I'll leave to the audience what they want to imply with that. I have my own feelings about that. But yeah, there's some really beautiful moments where it sets the tone of, of the person that Imelda started as and the person that she became by the end of her time in power in the Philippines. Well, and, and I, I know I said this was the last thing, so I apologize for keep going. But like that, that actually like blends in really well with some of your biggest moments in the show as Amelda's inner voice. Like Ariel can't do it as the forward facing Amelda, but you come in to sing those moments where they're happening inside her, but she's not letting the rest of the world see how angry she is or how upset she is about everything that is ha- happening with Ferdinand. Right. Yes. And I love, I love the role that I get to play in the show because it can't, it takes, it takes this form as this ferocious, fearless woman on stage. I get, I get to have that voice, which is so exciting. And it's also a commentary. This, this character is written so beautifully that like in, in politics and in life, a lot of times it's, it's thought in society across the globe that women can't show those heightened emotions because then they'll just be deemed as emotional creatures or they'll just be deemed as they'll be written off as oh she's she's she can't handle that she can't control herself all this stuff so so it's so exciting and necessary that the audience gets that inside look at what Imelda is actually experiencing because as a political figure and as a woman as a leader a female leader in the globe in in the Philippines she wasn't able to necessarily share that voice with herself. So yes, it's an artistic interpretation, but I can only imagine what real life Imelda was thinking and feeling when all of those things happened in her marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you know, as you mentioned for, I guess, if you said it was 2015, for the last eight years, I've been a big fan of of you and have loved seeing you go through all of the different uh, machinations of your career to land you on Broadway. And I am looking forward to many, many more years of following all your success and getting to see you on stage. So congratulations on everything. I'm, I don't really know you other than this, but I'm thrilled and and for you and happy for you and proud of you. And, uh, can't wait to see what the rest of this run 
leads for you, the concert in November, and then whatever happens to uh, to come after that. Thank you so much, so much, Matt. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and finally connecting with you after all this. I know. I'm keeping your quote on my website. Please do forever. <laughs> my nephew, I didn't know that, but I will find it and show it to my niece and nephew. And I'm sure they will think I am much more cool than I actually am. So, uh, so I appreciate the help on that too. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. listening to this episode of tell me more my name is matt tamanini you can find me on various social media platforms at bww matt you can reach out to broadway radio on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio in the show notes and in the article version of this over on broadwayradio.com i will not only have information on where you can purchase tickets to see here lies love but also jasmine's music that made me concert at 54 below I will also include links to how you can connect with Jasmine on Instagram and on her website, which does still have my quote at the top of it, as she promised. And I also dug up my review of Carrie, which you can read in the show notes as well. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks, of course, to the phenomenal Jasmine Forsberg, Angela Yamarone, Michelle Farabal, and the man without whom none of Broadway radio was possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you might think you are lost, but then you will find that God draws straight, but with crooked lines. Also, always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. Mm-hmm.